welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times, everybody. I should be an auctioneer. I'm getting better at that. Today, I'm interviewing Josh Fontaine, a bro. You know him probably. If you don't, he's been around a while. He's been in a bunch of our high noon events as a speaker and he's a facilitator. He's just been around. He's been a part of our world for quite some time. And today we're going to be talking about a very important defining moment in his life. You know, we can take as long as we want to get the lesson in life. And for him, it took him three and a half years to really get why he was struggling the way he was and to have this massive moment of clarity that completely transformed his life. And within a very short while, he ended up with the woman who is now his bride. It's a really amazing story and it's really important for anybody out there who feels like they've been going around in circles like a bad record repeating the same song again and again and again. If you want to break out of that spell, then listen to this because there's a formula that he talks about and this is just his story but it is actually something that can be applied to any number of situations so please take notes listen to this it's a little bit longer than normal but trust me this is one of the most practical ways that you can break through in your life and finally get past this old rut that you've been stuck in for so long so let's get into it welcome everybody andrew love here with my fellow compatriots from my homeland, my motherland, the motherland of Canada. And I, you know, you guys all know Josh. I hope you know Josh. Josh Fontaine. Uh, well, you're French and Italian, so you're like Fontaine, but you're also like Fontaine. Good little hand throw in there. Yeah, you're the best of both worlds. So he's a delicious pasta with some poutine on top. Disgusting. I like to call myself a cannoli. Not, oh man, cannolis are the greatest things ever. Are they are they remotely French cannolis? I mean, it's Canadian and it's an Italian Canada for the cannoli, you know, cannoli yeah, part yeah. and an Italian tree. Okay, okay. I well, cannolis are delicious. I don't know about you, but today, you know, we've had Josh with his whole family on the podcast. Josh has hosted several events for High Noon. He is High Noon. He is part of. The first official, what we have dubbed to be a high noon family. But we're having him back here on this podcast because I started actually telling your story to a bunch of people. I always was anonymous. I never said it was you, but I, it was your story. And then I started questioning the validity of this story because it, I remember you saying it. But then, you know, when you tell even your own stories, especially somebody else's stories, enough times you're like, did I make this up? starts to become lore. Every detail. (laughs) Yeah, it becomes lore. So I wanted to nail down the details because basically, you know, the thesis was that you've been working on your sexual integrity for years, but it really took a moment of clarity for you to make a massive leap in your, like a quantum leap in your trajectory. And so this is something that I'm trying to get people to understand that you can make leaps and bounds in terms of your progress and it can take an instant But to get to that instant takes a lot of work, a lot of digging, right? So I want to figure this out. So when did you first start High Noon? Yeah. So first of all, how old are you? First of all, hold on. I'm about to sneeze. First of all, there's a lot of first of alls right now. No, my sneeze chickened out. There's a friend. Pineapple? Pineapple? Pineapple. Apparently, it's a thing you say to make sneezes go away. I don't want it to go away. I was happy about my sneeze, but it's gone. So Josh, you are, I I skipped over a bunch just under the assumption that everybody knows who you are, but how old are you? 23, almost 24, a few months away. That's amazing. And how long have you been married and blessed? Blessed in marriage, April 15th in, uh, you know, our North American time zone, at least. So almost exactly one month from today. So you're fresh out of the oven. And as you guys all know, we just had Andy and Karen on the podcast and they were at the same blessing in a different part of the world which is so cool. The coolest part about the blessing is that you're like, you're part of this worldwide team all going through the same stuff together. So you've been blessed a month. You're obviously an expert. Clearly. <laughs> so what, when did you first hear about High Noon? Let's get back there. Okay. So first heard about High Noon was in 2017. I went to this international workshop in Korea called Global Top Gun. And High Noon, you guys came and spoke at that event. That's an understatement. We took over the entire workshop. We went in through the back door. 
Nobody knew we were going to do that. And we literally made everybody there listen to us for a day and a half, which was nobody's plan. So yeah, back to your story. <laughs> nobody's plan? That wasn't in the plan? Originally. It was complete backdoor operation where a bunch of leaders heard about it after. Like, they did what? <laughs> it was completely above board. We were like, as far as we knew, everybody had cleared it, but we found out that people kind of packaged us as something other than we were just to get us in the door. It was God working. It was one of those God moments. Well, God so, blessed that it happened because it was game changing. It was huge. Yeah. And so you were impacted by it, this event. Yeah. So yeah, 2017, that's when I first heard in August. And yeah, I just like the standout moment. I don't even know if you guys would ever do this anymore or if it happened the way I'm remembering it. But what I remember was, you know, we we're listening to all this talk. And I had so much shame around myself. I was mm -hmm. like, I'm the scum of the earth at having my mindset. Sure. Terrible mindset, but it was there. Comes um, the territory. Of course. And I think it was Sammy, just like, it was either you or Sammy. And just up on stage, you're like, guys, raise your hand if you've watched porn. And everyone, there's 600 people just sitting in the, in the room. And you're at, just ask everyone that question, just straight up, like, if you watch porn or if you're addicted to porn or anything, something along the nature, just raise your hand. And I was like, hell no, am I going to raise my hand? No way. And then I was like, but this is a chance to get it out. You know, I never got this out other than to my parents a couple of years earlier, but you know, that didn't help too, too much. So, you know, close my eyes and just like shot my hand up after like 10 seconds of deliberating. And I still remember it, like thinking back, opening my eyes and being like, everyone's going to totally be staring at me. And then like not one person looked at me because almost everybody had their hands up, Crazy, which yeah. is also kind of like eye opening, shocking. But yeah, that was the moment that it was like it clicked for me because as crazy as it is to think that you're the only person who has a porn addiction, especially today, that still was what was in my mind, even though I knew it wasn't true because, you know, I've heard people talk about it. It's still that's what like that was like the, the game that I was playing in my mind and seeing it kind of shattered that. And yeah, immediately after, you guys literally were like, go talk to your loved ones now. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. No, it was like a few minutes later, something <laughs> like that. And it's like, this is, you know, healing. Talk to your yeah. loved ones, whatever it was. The, the, the session ended and I like messaged my sister immediately. And we messaged each other at the same time. Like, we need to talk. I like sprinted right. across the room and like found her. And we basically just like spent the next hour crying with each other about like <sighs> healing. And that was a changing moment in trajectory in my life. That probably doesn't happen very often, if ever before, that, you know, uh, siblings would, a brother, sister would be in a workshop of that nature and then go to each other and talk about it openly and start the healing process together. That's kind of abnormal in the most beautiful way. I wish it could happen. Even just being at that workshop for me was a pretty crazy thing because like I was so uninterested in that workshop even just the year before or any workshop for that matter. But probably a couple months before that workshop, I just had a strong inspiration and need to go to it, go to something in that nature. And so I just like pushed for it. I was like, oh, I don't have money. I'll make the money. I don't care. We'll do whatever we need to do. And it made my sister come with me and she was concerned about money too. And I was like, nope, we have to go. And then we made it. So I don't know. God was like, nope, high noon needs to be in your life, Josh. You're pushing for this. Amazing. So that was the beginning. That was, that, that was, was when the seed was planted. And then so began your journey towards building sexual integrity. Yes. So that was from there. Talked to my family a bit. We were just more open altogether, which was great. Then in 2018, it was like very, very end of 2017. We had a workshop in our church community. And we invited you to come speak on Zoom yeah. so for like 15 minutes to everyone. Yeah, you just open it up. Like, guys, you've got these groups called Ascend starting up in January. And we'd love for you to join. We're opening it for you guys. And me and my friend were like, let's do it. And we signed up together. So when was that? Which year? That was in so our first ever group was January 1st, 2018. That was the first official Ascend. For me, at least. I don't know if it was the first official Ascend, but... It might have Maybe. Been. Yeah, very well. It could have been. That's crazy. I, I've forgotten my own history. Yeah, uh, it was either January 1st or very close. It was in January. Yeah. Amazing. So then, you know, you've been on this path for a while, but you had a lot of starts and then restarts and then start again starts and then a lot of ups and downs. And so 
you know, a lot of people, when they start this journey, they think it's going to be very linear. And like, to be honest, there's some people who are like, I'm just going to take high noon for like three months and then uh, I'll just fix myself and then I'll go right back to life as normal. And they don't know that it's, you know, they've had this thing, this relationship with porn, with masturbation, with self-worth for sometimes 10, 12, 15 years. It takes a little bit of time. So for you, what was your journey like? Like it's been since 2018. So that's four years-ish. We're in 2022. So according to my math. So then four and a bit years. Yeah. So what, what does that journey look like? Because you invested hard, right? It's not, I don't think you really slacked. You invested in your own journey and then you started to become a facilitator even and all that. So let's, let's unpack that. Yeah, uh, roller coaster, probably. Best way to describe it. Very, very slopey roller coaster with quite a few loop-de-loops and maybe some mechanical issues there too. You know, I actually remember quite strongly the first two groups I was in. And the first group, I actually made like so much progress. It was the first time in my life that I had gone, I think, 40 days without watching porn or masturbating during that group. Never in my life before that was I able to do that. So out of the gates, you're that strong horse out of the gates, like really good starting. Yeah, yeah, at a strong start. Because even after Top Gun, I came back and then it was like back to same routine, which is, you know, brutal mental health wise. Yeah. But yeah, I, I made good progress there and it felt really empowering. Um, and then going into my second group with my friend who signed up, he ended up becoming my facilitator in the second group I ever joined. And progress continued, but just started to stagnate a bit. But it still felt very positive. Like I just felt so much more free and relieved to talk about everything. And I believe it was after that I joined one more group as a participant. And I felt strongly that I wanted to facilitate. I had made like a big change in my life, whether and memory's foggy on it, how much progress I like actually had made up to that point. But I was at least like going time periods without slipping. And I felt inspired by the, the journey and wanting to like see others get there too. Then I messaged you and I was like, yep, I want to facilitate. And I signed up for it. And it was the end of 2018. I think I took my first group and uh, haven't looked back too, too much from there. I had some time off here and there, but so that, for that's you, the beginnings. Progress came in the form of like your, the way that you measured progress was your length of abstinence from watching porn and masturbating. You were able to maintain some, some streak of. There was, there was the element of the streak which I think in the beginning was motivating, but soon lost its flair. So more than the streak was how good I was feeling about myself. Okay. So yeah, if I was feeling really good about like everywhere I was in my life, then I was able to get on a more consistent streak. And facilitating was very helpful in building that belief and confidence and happiness for myself, especially when I had a group that I was like inspired with and feeling really happy with. Compared to like just looking at the streak itself, like I could not, you know, I could have days where I was like having like a streak, but I was still feeling like pretty crappy in my mind. So I don't know how much that streak meant. So, but it was like some level of self-worth, self-confidence and self-control that you could kind of. The self-control element, I think was a big one. It's like, it it showed me that I can do this. Sure. And then, but what would trip you up every time? Like, what was the, what was your pullback? What, What was drawing you back? to the darkness. Ooh. So I had such a difficult time managing stressful situations, I think. I don't think I had particularly healthy hobbies either. A lot of the hobbies were staying on my phone and watching YouTube or Facebook videos. That was a lot of time was put into that, especially when I was more stressed, which university was hitting me hard at that time. So I think every time I had huge assignments that were going on or something big happened in my life that was just going hard, whether it was like a relationship was struggling or I was like angry at myself over something that went on. I don't know, just some kind of difficulty. I wasn't coping with that stress well enough. And it would either be I found a way to talk about it with family or really close friends or something, or I would end up going to porn. And yeah, I I would find myself either get to my new healthy habit of dealing with this, my new healthy way of recovering from stress, which is with the relationships with people in my life or going back to what I would always do as a teenager, which was go to porn and just run away from it all. Got it. And so that, I mean, that wears on you, right? Because you, 
especially after a prolonged period of these, oh, I think I'm going to make it. And then you fall on your face and then you pick yourself back up. And it always takes a while, right, to kind of get the dust off and to get that fighting spirit again and say, okay, this time is it. And then you completely fall again. So like doing that for months, let alone years, grinds you down. It kind of wears you out. So you are stuck in this cycle. Yeah. You know, walk us through that because a lot of people are in that. And I want to, we're kind of building up to your breakthrough. And I want to understand like why you kept on trying. Did you try a bunch of different strategies? How did that look like that? that, Whatever it was, because it was like three, three and a half years, something like that, right? Before. Yeah. Three and a half years of like consistent effort and trying to overcome it for sure. Um, trying and feeling like you're failing. Yes. Right? That's the biggest piece. It's because I think the effort I'm making now probably, okay, efforts maybe more in some ways, but I feel like now I, I'm like 100% confident. I feel, yep, I can do it. Before it was like, no, I, I want to, but I don't know if I'll make it. Every time I would falter, it's like, you know, that little devil in the back of my mind saying you can't do it, which is hard. It was a rough time period, those three years. So, I mean... We need to understand yes. as much as you can, because like I said, there's a bunch of people. I just got an email today from a guy and he's been struggling his brains out and he's really frustrated at us. But then he finally was listening to a podcast and he was like, actually, I realized I was expecting more out of High Noon than I was willing to put in. So I want people as much as possible to relate with you so that they can understand what it, what it took for you to break out of that spell because you were under a spell. This hypnotic spell of your self-worth. It yeah. seemed to come back to self-worth, right? Yeah, the self-worth. And we'll build up into the self-worth piece. I think what was hard in that period where I would try to make progress and then I would slip up and then I'd get really in my head. And it wouldn't be like one slip and done. It would be a slip and relapse and stick in that relapse because I couldn't tell anybody about it. Sure. It was the worst part of it. And then it would be in good positive times, it'd be like one or two days of that. And then I would be able to find somebody in my life to get it out. And in the negative times, it'd be weeks of hiding it. And when I'm hiding it, I'm slipping more and more and just digging into a cycle because it's that feeling of I've slipped once, I failed already. I'm already disappointed so many people and you just keep going with it. It's like a really bad place to be. And the groups were wonderful in being able to express to them. But I think there was also a point where the groups were still people that I didn't have close personal relationship with. And it was an excellent way to learn how to share and to open up. But I think after doing that for so many cycles, I started losing the power in sharing it to my groups specifically. The empowerment of sticking through it was really important, where even when I was going through terrible periods, I think for the first two and a half years, every single quarter and I never stopped. I kept taking another group constantly. Okay. Even when I was like, I'm stagnating and I'm, it's not working. I still didn't want to give up on it. I was like, no, I'm going to keep taking a group because at the very least, I have to keep doing this. I need to keep making progress. I mean, I'm glad that I did that because that kept me finding something that I needed. Did you always find a new reason why to keep going? Like a new motivation or... Sometimes there were motivations that would pop in. Like a friend was like, Josh, we can do this together. Would come in and we'd be like, let's join. We joined a group together and we pushed each other. And then sometimes it was, I just need to keep going. Like I have no inspiration right now, but I need to keep going. And there can be burnout with that. And I think I did go through burnout at one point, but I put a lot of emphasis on pushing with that because I ended up, Like when I made my breakthrough, it was with a person that I met in that group and we became such close friends from that. And he was such a critical part of my drastic recovery. But like, that's just a sneak peek before we get into that. Yeah, just during that period of time, whenever I would go through my worst downs, I ended up finding that I had to go to my family. It was a very, very consistent, I would struggle. And as soon as I told my mom, not my dad specifically, it had to be my mom, just telling my dad would often turn into telling my mom as well, <laughs> or my sister, one or the other. And I had to tell them. And when I did, then I could make a, a strong reset and start back on track. Okay, got to put this bad mindset away. I can do it again. And they would really help me take that strong reset. And for the first like two and a half years of it, it was so important. And if I had gotten really good at just, if I slipped immediately telling them, or even better, you know, 
telling them before getting to a slip, the buildup would have been yeah. wonderful. That was like always my most critical piece. That was the biggest, like that was the cycle of ups and downs for sure in that long period of struggling to get over it. Being able to get to my family before porn got to me or being able to get to them while porn had me in its clutches. So would you, because some people don't have that. I mean, your family is an exception for sure. So let's take the metaphor of your family and unpack it. Would you say that you just had a team? Because you said it was your mom, not your dad. So what about your mom? Was it because she scares you? Because she's so strong? Or is it because she was in it with you? What were the characteristics of telling her that influenced you in a way that you wouldn't have gotten from your father? The way that they reacted, my mom and my sister both were a lot more, it hit them harder, I think. Okay. When I would slip, they're so emotionally invested in it that it hit them harder. And it hurt me to see them, not like hurt necessarily, but like so distraught in a way and wanting to me to recover. And they would take the time to really talk through it with me. Like they didn't let me sulk on an answer, sulk on like I slipped up. Like I'd be sulking every time that I would tell them. And they're like, no, grow up. You can't do that. <laughs> like we'll get you through it. But they didn't take the down period. So kind of loving and nurturing, but also tough love. Yeah. My dad was definitely a lot more of the loving and nurturing because he understood it was really challenging. And it was always easier to go talk to my dad. That's where the dynamic is really great. I would describe it as the way my family responded. And it's just really close people who are emotionally invested in me because they loved me so dearly is the most important part of it. Each of them responded in a very different and drastic way. And each piece was quite necessary where like my dad was very emotionally invested, but he was, he understood it so much, the challenge in it that he wasn't, it wasn't hard to tell him, but it didn't necessarily help me get out of it either. Sure. But what was great about it is I could tell my dad and I wouldn't have fear in telling my dad. And anytime I told my dad, it would get to my mom <laughs> within a week. Without She's the Don, the Don. I guess the like female Don is a Donna. Yeah. Uh, she just knows. So, okay. This is all great. And I think, you know, side note for people who don't have this, because that's most of you, it's the act of having a team, right? Yeah. So the fact that Josh kind of knew who to talk to means that he had options and those options are really important. And you can all build that regardless of how close you are with your own physical parents or your family, you can form that team. That's what an accountability partner is. That's what, you know, and ideally it's somebody who cares about you. And ideally, ideally it's, yeah, somebody as close as you as a parent or something like that, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be. So just for other people's sake, not everybody has uh, Maria Fontaine in their life. Okay. I think so, what was also important about that is my sister and my mom both had their own porn addictions as growing up too. And they've shared about it. That's why I can openly say it. Sure. But they overcame it very different ways, um, which sometimes made it hard to relate. Like my mom was a cold turkey. You know, she just dropped it immediately. And my sister, when she was a teenager, was able to overcome it without anyone even knowing. Yeah. It was very different. Way. Yeah, it was very different than how we, how I, I was going through it. And that's where it gets really interesting, too, because as really, really beneficial in working with them, but it plateaued at a point as well. And I think this is where a lot more people can relate, where I, I couldn't go to my family anymore in a lot of ways. It was just too painful to rehash the same old stuff. It was. It got to a point where they were taking it more, more personally, like, why aren't you getting through this? And it was hard because they're so close to me on it that. Sure. I had a really difficult time going to them anymore. And this was also during COVID where this really started coming out. Like it came, a lot of fights would pop out in this area. My mental health was super down when COVID hit. And I stopped being able to go to my family because I was, I was relying on it and I needed to find another way to recover. That's where I think my journey started taking a pretty drastic turn as well. It was like a all or nothing turn. So what happened? Can you explain that? Yeah. So I couldn't really explain what it was. The porn addiction was a massive part of it. And my self-worth felt so very down that I couldn't talk to my family so much anymore about really deep things. And there was probably like a six-month period or longer where, man, I couldn't talk to them about anything. 
it was difficult. But in that time, and this is where holding on to the groups and persisting with it, I have one friend and I'm going to name drop him because he's a boss. My really good friend, Mune, Mune Kazu Nakamura. We were in a group together. And again, he's very open about this. That's the only reason I can say his name. He was with me and we never met each other before this group. And we really bonded through groups. And in this time where I was more separate from my family, my bond with him grew a lot. And I would talk with him a lot, along with a few other friends. And I got really close to other people in my life outside of my family, too, who became invested in wanting to help me. And we spent a long time just talking with each other and supporting each other spiritually and mentally. And that played a really big role in just like building our trust with each other, too. And actually, at the turn of the year in 2021, we decided to do this MatchNet program, just wanting, because we both also wanted to find partners and be blessed in marriage at some point in our life. And we weren't there yet. And we committed to doing this program almost every single day with each other. We'd watch a video, we'd talk about it, we'd push each other, like, can't give up. We need to keep going on our down days and our up days. We need to help each other. And like having that man battle in arms, we were like, he was like my partner at that time to really get me through so much. Um, and he listened to all the drama I was going through with my family and yeah, just the drama that was ensuing in my personal life. And he had hope in me. He always really, really kept hope in me. And he always encouraged me to keep talking with others. I had like older brother figures that I would talk to and uncle figures who I would talk to at this time. And they made so much time to pray for me and everything. So I had a lot of this incredible support around me that I was able to really build up. And yeah, just in these six months of very repetitive, I'm down, they boost me back up, they keep me going. I remember one time I was like crying in a call with him, because I just felt so down trying to read this one part, which was about self worth. We were reading this one part in this content about self worth. And I couldn't do it. because I felt so crappy about myself. And he pushed me. He's like, I, I read it begrudgingly, quietly. And he's like, no, say it again out loud. And I gave him a death glare, but he didn't let me not do it. And I had to say it out loud. And I don't even remember what the quote was. I'm sure I could find it, but it was something around self-worth. And he pushed me and I said it out loud. He's like, say it again. And like, I fully cried while I was saying it. And it was so impactful because it made me really value him as a person for pushing me there. And it made me really value what we were doing. Even though I felt so down at the time, I felt so much value and like, there's still hope that I can do this. I don't want to give up. And like, I always wanted to kill. I never liked porn. Like it's not, I didn't enjoy it. And I didn't want it in my life, regardless of being married or not. I didn't want it in my life at all. I keep going back to it, but I hated it. And that was like a really clear distinction. Like I'm not doing this for my spouse. I need to get rid of this for me. It yeah. will help like having someone to focus on too. But like, I can't have this in my life. I think that was really important factor in that too. So let's get to it. Let's get to this, the, the moment. So like, there's a lot of build up, three and a half years of ups and downs and lefts and rights and feeling great and free and then feeling completely like a slave, being an addict and all this. And then it was this endless cycle, but somehow you ended it. So what was this thing that occurred yeah, that allowed so you to take freedom? Seriously. In that turning point, so that was about one month before this really big turning point. So you mean, just to be clear, that moment that you had with Mune, that was one month before something occurred? That was about one month before, yeah. Okay. And yeah, we continued doing this program. At this time, what I think was also helpful, I was opening up a lot to really like trustworthy uncle figure in my community. And... Yeah, he was praying for me at this time. And I don't believe, I, not, not, not don't believe, but like I have a hard time believing in spiritual things. And this is important because it's like, it's crazy to me. But he was taking so much time to just pray for me every day. And he was like, you know, encouraging me, like do these hundakes and just tell me reflections. And like, I'm here for you. I just want to know. It was really great. It's not even necessarily he gave me advice or anything. He just really wanted to hear and pray and be there for me. And I felt a lot of love out of that. Same with like Robert. He was trying to help me out a lot at this time. And listening to me and praying for me and just hearing all the struggles that I was going through. So it was like a lot of really valuable supports that were there that I was trying to be really open with. 
And at one point, we were going through all of this content on MatchNet. And we were just trying to invest a lot into just learning it. And I felt so stagnant still, like not, I'm not changing. I need to, you know, why am I not changing? But I went for this run one day and I don't run very often, but I was just like, I need to go for a run. I think it'll be important. It was like warm day. And I went for this run. He called me when I was on my run, Mune. And we were like, okay, let's watch a video together. And I was like, oh, I'm just going for a run. He's like, okay, let's watch it anyway. We'll just do it now. And we're listening to the video. I'm just listening to it on my run. And he's on the call with me. And I'm just listening to it. And I get home, I get some water, I sit on my couch. I'm like sweating and like tired because I don't run ever. And the videos of Benji, a lot of name drops today. Benji was sharing his blessing story about how he met his wife. And I've heard the story multiple times didn't really hit me so hard when I would listen to it. But he shared one part in the story that shattered my brain. <laughs> and it's the best way to put it. Like he was just sharing that it was the first matching where True Father said, you should pick your partners. And he's like, oh, you know what? That's a really good idea. You need to pick your partners because you guys don't like having things picked for you. You know, you need to own a decision you make. And yeah, he was like, he was just sharing all these horrible thoughts that were going through his head at the time as he heard that. And Benji was just like, his self-worth was like at a zero when he heard that. He's like, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to choose a partner. Like, I can't make that choice. I need someone to do it for me. I'm looking at all the wrong things. I don't believe in myself. And he said different words and I don't remember them all now. I just remember specifically everything he said. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that too. I'm a horrible person. Like it all resonated so deep. Mm. And then he said, you know, father told him, whoever you choose, God will be with you as long as you make it with a pure heart. Then he's like, his mindset totally swapped around. He started saying all these really positive things about himself. Like I can do this. I am a really strong person. I do have value in really pure aspects of people. And all these different positive spins and all of these negative things he had and every single thing he said was like a happy bullet like a little love arrow just shooting me and it hit me really hard i would go as far to say it was like a really spiritual moment and i like preface this because i think what's hard is i'm not so spiritually open and i never really was i always wanted to be i always want to believe in that but i could never feel it in my life and that's why this hit me so hard because it was like a total strong, like revelation of a feeling. It felt very specific, like a cloud in my head, which was there for so long. And I had no idea what the cloud was lifted and it vanished. And I had so much mental clarity. I was like, I know what I need to do now. And like paused the video. And I told Mune, I was like, Mune, I know what I need to do. And I need to talk to my parents right now. And I kind of left him hanging there. I was like, I have to go. I have to. And You're a man like, on okay, a mission. You, you do you. And I was like, thanks, man. And I like hung up the phone and I wrote out a whole reflection of like everything that I felt in that video. And my strong feeling that I needed to do at that moment was like, I need to talk to my parents and let them know everything that's going on that's making me struggle. And it was there that I realized so much of my struggle with porn was also so directly related to how much doubt I had in myself to be a good husband. I see. So much doubt that was strongly in my mind and I couldn't express it. I had no faith in myself whatsoever. So you just didn't, you also didn't see that in yourself yet. No, I'm sure in spikes, I could feel it, but it became so clear to me in that moment that my self-worth was so low in that area of my life. I didn't believe in myself. I wanted to, but I couldn't. So would you attribute that to the fact that uh, you had a momentary lapse in your hatred for yourself that allowed you to actually see that you have value and you can do it? And that contrast that allows you to see how you normally see yourself, because normally you're kind of stuck feeling like you don't have worth. But somehow in this experience with Benji's words and whatever you experienced, there was like an opening where you could actually sense, hey, I'm worth something. And then you could look down on your old, the normal yeah thinking that you have and then you're like ah that's how i normally am right you have yeah. some comparison comparison is normal because that's 
I mean, the reason I'm clarifying is because, again, I think a lot of people are trapped there. And that is the whole point of the North Star goal. That's the whole point of all that we're trying to do here is to be like, well, what would you rather have? And it's hard to figure out what you want in life when you're stuck with all of the crap and you feel like you don't, you don't deserve anything anyway. So it doesn't matter dreaming because then dreaming about cool things and a cool life is almost painful because you're never going to have it anyway because you suck. Yeah. And instead, you had like a glimpse into the possibility of, you know, a better life, a better existence, and you ran to your parents. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, it was a total, like, I could see, I could see myself. And I also, my mom came home, literally came home like five minutes later. I had no idea where she was, but she came home like five minutes later. I was like, Muna, I need to go. I'm writing all this stuff out. My mom walked in the door <laughs> and I'm like, mom, sit down. I need to talk to you. And I like, I finished everything I was writing and I like rehearsed it in my head. It was like, okay, you need, and I was like very, like man on a mission. I was like, this needs to happen now or I'm going to lose it. And what what needs to happen now? That strong feeling. Like I have to talk to my parents and oh, okay. I have to make progress here. I can't hide it anymore. Whatever it is, I need to get all of this out. Every like doubtful self-hate and how that related to like my difficulty with them and everything it needed to get out and I like really with a strong eye I looked at her and I was like I need to tell you everything on my heart that's been there for like especially the last six months but for the last few years and I really need you to listen to me and I need to just know that you're receiving it and I had to tell her very specifically like, please don't interrupt me please just let me get it out and like just please that's yeah. all I could like please <laughs> I'm sure she was stricken by that determination. And so, you know, just to note, that was shortly thereafter is when everything started spiraling and you, and you met your now wife, right? Didn't you start, you connected with her like a month later or something like that? Is that basically a month later? Well, yeah, such a big aspect of what I was telling my mom. And thank God she didn't interrupt me because if she did, you would have bowled her over. Who knows, man? I don't even know. But this all started like it, it was like a, a huge turnaround because I was very adamant about what I wanted at this point. I was like, this is what I need and I'm going to stick with it. And I told her everything. And like my whole porn addiction, again, was so closely related to me just wanting to be in a relationship as well. They were like very intertwined of I want this so much in my life, but I'm a failure and I can't have it. And I need torture. To and it was, and I needed to disconnect those two things. And when I was talking to her, a lot of it came with just not being able to talk to her about my true feelings around wanting to find a partner. I don't know why it was a block, but I couldn't do it. And well, some sort of fear, right? There's some sort of fear of, of, yeah, something, but fear of what, like fear that they would discount anything I said, fear that anything that I wanted was wrong Got for it. whatever reason in being there. That was, that was my feeling. And when she accepted everything I said and embraced it, and I told her to be with me on this matching journey, because I really wanted my parents to be there. I had like two rules I had set. I was like, I need to become a candidate. Just for anyone who wouldn't know what that is, it's uh, basically just different things you need to do, like getting health checkup and the, having a doctor sign like a health form and having your parents sign certain things. And yeah, just like a few different documents. They're not necessarily difficult, but it takes some time to get through it. And I was like, I need to do this. For two years, I'd been saying that and I could not do it. God knows why. So this is an important point because there's certain steps. Like in, in normal society, it's just you go with your feelings, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the process of actually getting somebody that you want to keep forever and like to really make yourself truly eligible, there's a process that we have, right? In Family Fed. And I've seen this happen so many times that if you want to get it done, you can get it done in a week or two, going to the doctor and all this. But it's this massive step that I have seen people take years because there's actually a spiritual barrier. There's a mental, emotional, spiritual barrier for a lot of people because it's very confronting. Because if you do this, there are repercussions. It means that you are now putting yourself on the marketplace to be judged by other people, whether you're suitable or not for marriage. That by parents, by the women themselves, and that's frightening. So people just kick the can down the road. So you'd been doing this for, you said, two years? Two years. 
two years. And so this is important, okay? And guys, this is, I think, the, the crux of this testimony, why I asked Josh here is because for three and a half years, he'd been working on himself and his sexual integrity. For two years, he was looking to get started with the process of finding a wife, finding somebody to fit into his life, but there's nobody that could fit into his life until he accepted himself and learned about himself. And this defining moment is really him learning that he is valuable enough, proclaiming it to his mom with conviction. It sounds like a whole lot of conviction. And then within a month, he now, the cosmos, he's made room within a month He finds this woman and now he's blessed. This is the crazy part of the story is that it was really a moment. And it wasn't Benji. I mean, Benji played a massive part, but it's it was two parts. I mean, many parts. It's your family's investment in you. It's your friend, Mune, who if he wasn't determined, he would have been like, okay, whatever, man. We'll just watch it like tomorrow or whatever. But like ended up watching it because he's like, let's watch this now. And that was like, God was working through all sorts of different people for this moment to be culminated. And all of a sudden you got this feeling. It finally penetrated this wall that you'd created that I suck and your I suck wall collapsed in that moment. And you had a moment of clarity and you jumped through, you jumped through the door. So that's incredible. So, cause I'm just trying to detail this because people don't have to recreate your story. They can learn these aspects. It's involving other people, finding a buddy, like finding your Mune, man or woman, it, it, you know, find somebody of your gender to like be there who's also battling and like an, an accountability partner who will push you even if you're uncomfortable and that you can just cry in front of this guy, right? So there's so many factors here that you can replicate in your life. It doesn't have to be the exact same story. Cool, man. And so now, like after that talk with your mom, everything started happening quickly. Does that mean that you still are able to connect with your self-worth or even after that, were there some doubts that bubbled up or were you, are you able to work with them more now because you found your mojo, you found your superpower? Well, yeah, that's where it's, it's interesting. So strong self-proclamation to get this done, strong action to get this done. Told her I need to tell my dad too, is also a strong element of it. I needed both of them to be totally with me. I was like, adamant, like, you need to be united with me. No jokes here. Like, I'm not joking anymore. Serious? No, I was dead serious. I was like putting my life on the line for it. And they like, okay, whatever it is, we're doing it. We're all in. And yeah, within a week, all my candidate stuff was done. (laughs) A week. (laughs) Within a week. (laughs) Amazing. Two years to get it all. One week, got it completed. There's a thing called a matching plan. That was my second element I needed. Basically, it's, I was adamant about this. It's just questions you ask about yourself and what you're looking for and how you want to go about searching. And I wanted to fill it out myself and I wanted my parents to fill it out in what they feel is best. And then we would share it together and make a, a concrete plan. And what we found is basically everything was the same. Everything I thought about myself was almost the exact same what they thought for me would be great. So it was like strong unity. I was like, wow, we're really, you know, it speaks confidence about what I know about myself and what they know about me. This is really good to see. But I was so open to like discussing it with them and then creating a plan for how to find someone. I was like, I don't want to be part of this at all. I want to trust you wholeheartedly with everything. And my matching supporter was helping them too. And I was like, to me, family is God. God works through the family. And that is how I experience God's love the most. And I was like, if I can trust wholeheartedly in my parents, finding my partner, I know 100% that God chose that partner for me. And it's up to me to figure out if it's going to work or not. And They did that. We made the plan. I put it in action like almost immediately. We were told, wait, do a condition. My sister challenged me at this time. She was like, you're going to start a matching process or you want to start again. And I was like, yes. And she's like, you still have a porn addiction. You have not been clean for a year. You can't do it. And I was like, it was like an attack almost, you know, on my self-worth. Like, what am I going to do? And am I going to falter at those words? She's checking my commitment. You know, she's testing my commitment and my resolve. That's really what it is. You say you want this, but can you really give it up? Are you actually going to make progress now? And I was like, I get what you're saying, but yes, I still want to continue. I'm not going to like hold back. This is different. And I couldn't explain the difference. And, you know, part of her was like unsatisfied with the answer, but it was a healthy challenge 
like if I was going to back down or not. And I didn't back down and I continued with it. We did this condition and I read this book. It was just a spiritual book. The content of it isn't necessarily important, but it was like taking the time my mom asked, do this, take these seven days. And I did it. And I didn't argue or anything. I was like, I trust you. And right after we completed it, we were ready to go. And then gave them full reins to look for me. And within a week after that, I believe they, my matching supporter's wife found my, my wife's profile, Rika. They all talked about it. And I, I told them like, I want no part in finding this. Like if, a, if someone contacted you, don't tell me. If you find somebody, don't tell me until all four of you think that's a good person for me. You all needed to be united. If there was one of you who was off, I don't want to hear it. Wow. Adamant. And my mom hated it. And she wanted to come and talk to me, which is so funny. And she'd come to me and was like, I want to tell you. And I was like, no, <laughs> don't bring it up till all of you are in sync. Extreme, but I don't know, it worked for me. Sure. And yeah, you know, that's how they got Rika's profile. And all of them immediately within five minutes were like, yes, we believe this is the girl. We really like her. And then when my mom came to me and she told me we found a profile and I was like, all of you agreed? And she's like, all of us agreed. Okay, I'll see it. And in my mind already, I was like, okay, I don't know if I'll get blessed to her, but I'll talk to her. Definitely. And then I saw her profile and I was like, ooh la la. <laughs> Heart fluttered a little bit, you know, really nice profile, pretty girl, good mix. And I didn't have, think, I actually had a lot of doubt in being able to, like, I didn't want to look because I also doubted that I could look at a girl and internally think we could be a good mix especially if she was if I found her attractive I would always have a doubt that I only chose her for her attraction but in this case that doubt was totally gone right off the bat because I wanted to say yes before I even saw her before my mom even showed me her profile which is beautiful but again it's that that clarity that you knew what you wanted and you could have the confidence when somebody's really clear about who they are they can ask clearly for what they want and people know that they're clear and they're, gen especially if they love them and they support them, happy to give them that. So it's that's a beautiful situation and it allowed for something magical to take place. So And it absolutely took place. It took place, man. I mean, so if you guys don't know, Josh, you know, is from a very cold place and he ended up getting blessed in marriage in Hawaii. With, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now for those of you who are just listening. And... It's kind of a ridiculous blessing. It's, you know, it's because he ended up going to one of the nicest places on earth to find his love. And how how amazing did that, you know, how powerfully were you blessed? It was a big deal. So my whole family was able to go to the whole family was there all wearing Hawaii. I saw your dad in a Hawaiian t-shirt smiling so big. Your mom was so happy. Everyone was so happy. It was so amazing. So yeah, really wonderful story, Josh. And I think there's a lot of takeaways that people can get that they can practically apply. That's the important part because your story is not only amazing for you, but it's also a testament to what can happen if people put certain elements in place in their journey. So everybody, you probably want to listen. If you're in a similar situation, you probably want to listen to this a few times and take notes of the key elements that Josh had, meaning, you know, a team, his family, an accountability partner, uh, you know, you just go over it. I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't remember anything, <laughs> but he'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, Josh, any last words before we take a hike, gay? Eh? Man, I, I feel like just one, there's just a huge element of it. I'm not such a spiritual person. I like spirituality and I respect it and everything, yeah. but I don't personally connect to it or I, I never thought I could. Like spiritual experiences and all, all stuff like that. Like, eh. But this whole journey was quite spiritual in its essence and its core. Like a lot of very in-the-moment experiences that I felt very connected to and were very life-changing. And I didn't think I would ever be the one advocating that that would be me. I could advocate for others going through it, but I could never say that I would go through it. And now looking back on it, it's still kind of crazy to me that I'm the one who's able to say that because like so dead <laughs> internally on spirituality sometimes. But it happened. And it's not like some crazy ghost story experience. It's just like a very personal thing. And it was life changing. And my life trajectory and my progress went so significantly up from there. I mean, and I can't lie, like I've slipped in this time period as well. I have, but it has remained as a slip, which is so different to a fall. what I was before, yeah. where I would slip and I immediately was able to get out of it. And it wouldn't be like a 
two, three day, two, three week thing. It'd be like a one day thing and then move. Don't kill yourself on it mentally. And I think that was the biggest switch that was there. It's just my whole self-worth went up so significantly. Yeah. It allows for you to do a lot more. You have a lot more mobility and agility when you have faith and belief in yourself. So yeah, great. Thank you, man. Thank you for your transparency and for this great testimony. How can anybody reach you if they want to talk to you and get you in Esquire magazine? I mean, you can find my name on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find, I think. Josh Fontaine. You want my email, I guess. I don't use other social media platforms, so my email, I don't mind. Yeah. Joshuafontaine24gmail.com. I'm sure it'll be in the description somewhere. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Joshua Fontaine 24 yeah. at gmail.com. Cool, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for showing up and for giving us this. I'm glad we validated this story that I've been telling because this is this one that I've been telling. So I'm glad it was true. Basically, <laughs> me, I didn't know you were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bro, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Andrew Love here, and I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcast, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them in their lives, and it is. You can break free from porn, you can build amazing, eternal relationships, but it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.